Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Reality Radio Entertainment presents Behind the Curtain with your host, Kathy Barrett. Welcome to Behind the Curtain, a show about life and how we travel down the not-so-yellow brick road of it. Hi, I'm Kathy Barrett, and it's so good to be back behind the curtain. Ooh, something is playing again. <laughs> welcome to welcome to live radio. Not sure why that's going on, but um, let's see. Okay, went away. Wow, I have no idea why this is going on. There's a lot of echo here. Okay, well, let me try to. There's a little delay. So anyway, uh, let me get right back to this. Um, Thank you for staying tuned to the archives. Uh, I will be bringing you one show a month for the next several months while I am completing these outside projects. And we have some great shows in store for you. Our show today is Making Peace with Suicide. Um, A person dies every 40 seconds from suicide somewhere in the world, and the numbers are escalating. The death of beloved actor-comedian Robin Williams did bring some much-needed attention to the subject matter in the media. But in my opinion, the issue was glazed over in a rather superficial way, proving that the subject of suicide is just as taboo as it ever was. Anyway, there's so much shame and blame associated with suicide, which silences those left behind in the aftermath of their tragic losses. And now more than ever, as suicide is a global crisis, we need to be in a dialogue about it. When one of us is lost to suicide, we all lose, and suicide is preventable. So anyway, I lost my brother to suicide 10 years ago and this left a very permanent hole in my my life which i fill by being of service to others who are struggling with this issue my process is still ongoing and i just want anyone out there to know if you have lost someone to suicide that there is you know so much help and support for you to aid you in working through this process our show today is making peace with suicide, and our aim is to bring the subject of suicide into the light of discussion and healing. So joining me is Dr. Adele R. McDowell, and Dr. McDowell has over 30 years of experience helping clients find hope and balance in the face of crisis, trauma, and grief, and she does this as a psychotherapist, as a teacher of meditation, she leads international workshops, and she's an energy healer. 
She's directed outpatient substance abuse treatment centers in Connecticut. She founded and directed the Green Heart Center, which is a holistic uh, psychotherapeutic and psychoeducational center, and Faith Walk, a psycho-spiritual approach to transformation. Today we will discuss her new book, Making Peace with Suicide, a book of hope, understanding, and comfort. And uh, at the end of the show, uh, we will also have a special performance uh, later on in the program by singer-songwriter Katie McLaughlin, who has written a very powerful song about battling demons to choose life. Dr. McDowell, I am so thrilled and honored to have you on the program today. Thank you for being here. Oh, Kathy, I am delighted to be here, and please call me Adele. Oh, great. Okay, Adele, thank you. Um, I'm not sure what's going on here. I hope this isn't recording the way I'm hearing it and you're hearing it, but I'll just to continue to plow through here. I appreciate um, very much your book. Uh, I I found it difficult to connect to um, any book 10 years ago, as I mentioned to you. Uh, when I, I lost my brother, um, I was devastated. It was an emotional uh, tsunami for me. And when I searched for something to hold on to, an anchor that I could grab onto um, in this devastation that I was feeling, I, I really could find nothing that could shed light on techniques that could help me get from one point of the process to another point of the process. And your book does that indeed, and it is much, much needed in the marketplace today. So first, let me thank you for the work you do. And let's talk about what a global issue, first of all, this is. Okay. Wow. Okay. It is an enormous global issue. You know, research would say that suicides are predominantly mental health and or substance abuse. I think those are very broad strokes, and I think we can break that down, right? Because, yes, of course, there are mental health issues such as schizophrenia and bipolar. Um, we have depression, and that covers a, a wide swath. Uh, but th- there's also physical issues, organic brain matters, bra- uh, traumatic uh, brain injury. But we have our soldiers, 22 a day of our soldiers that take their lives, right? Because yeah. they have, there is PTSD, or another way of looking at it is they have left their soul on the battlefield, right? And they come home and they're not okay. And I have never, ever met any adult who has been a child, uh, they're a survivor of childhood sexual abuse, who has not held suicide closely in their hands because of the trauma of that when they were so young. So we have trauma. And then we have, as you well know, suicide by economic crisis. Um, There was a woman in Spain. She was a grandmother. They were going to, again, all the crazy mortgage financial stuff, and they were going to come reclaim her apartment that she owned. And there is a pounding on the door of the bank and the locksmith and whoever else was there. And she's not answering the door. And she is out on the balcony. And she, I assume it's a chair that she's teetered with the railing. And they pound and they pound and they ask her to answer the door and she does not. And so the locksmith forces her. And they're going to evict this woman and she's taking care of the grandchildren. And, and that that action caused her to jump. And Mm -hmm. what that did was, in Spain, it changed the legislation 
that woman's death changed the legislation on how they dealt with uh, family members who had children and had these crazy mortgages that they, you know, they they couldn't handle. And so they they did something about that, but unfortunately that woman took her life. Their story in the New York Times of, of uh, farmers in India who take a loan against a future crop to send their kids to school, out of the country to the city for school, hoping that they will have a better life. But there's a drought or there's GMO seeds or whatever constellation of factors there are, and they cannot pay the loan back until the next crop. And they are harassed uh, by a band of debt collectors. And this one gentleman ended taking his life, and his wife now is left holding the bag, so to speak, with the loan as well. And she herself became close to suicide because she couldn't she couldn't deal with the amount of pressure. So there's so well, many life is like factors. that isn't isn't it, Doctor McDowell? Excuse me, but it's it's like life is like that right now. There are so many huge pressures falling upon the shoulders of each of us. I mean, every day yeah. it just seems like, oh my God, I have to handle, you know, five new really tragic you know things that are that that kind of walk through my front door and if you're not in a in a stable position um to handle this stuff if you're you know you're working two jobs like you say and you have six kids or you know whatever the situation is it's it's really really hard for people and more and more people are either numbing themselves you know with drugs or just feeling like there's no way out, there's no help, they can't speak about uh, how they're feeling because they feel that, you know, people will not understand it or they won't be perfect or they'll be judged too harshly or whatever it is. So we have all these, the stress that's coming down on on each of us each day. And what I loved about your book, though, it's you give people an opportunity, you give people very specific steps to take if they're either going through a depression or they have lost someone to suicide, steps that they could take to kind of get out of, um, you know, the the devastation that they feel to work towards, you know, healing and finding peace again in their lives. Yes, and uh, it, I'd love to tell you a little bit about the seven steps. Um, the first one is tell your story. You know, often we hold on to all of these pieces and we need to put them all on the table, so to speak. Just put it all out there without judgment, um, without criticism. Just this is my story of how I felt going through this before, during, after. And then the next part would be, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was saying, and that's what's so difficult in all of this, isn't it? Because no one feels comfortable to talk about the subject of suicide. Even, you know, as I mentioned before, Robin Williams, I feel every it was on every single news media channel, and yet they just kind of washed over it. You know, it's like, oh, we're so sorry to lose him. They gave you a hotline number, and that was the end of it. There was really no discussion about it in great detail. And so I think that's part of the problem is that, you know, whether you're feeling suicidal or you have lost someone to suicide, it's such a taboo. There's so much shame and blame associated with it um, that it's difficult for people to tell their story, to open up about it. But if if they they can find a way to do so, it really opens up so many other channels of healing to them. I totally agree with you, Kathy, because... 
if the story stays stuck inside of us, in our heart, in a bunch of little pieces, it's in telling our story we begin to connect the dots and make sense of the unimaginable for ourselves. And people don't want to talk about suicide because somehow they feel that they're to blame, especially loved ones. I, I failed in some way. What could I have done? The if onlys, the what ifs. And one of the hardest parts about this process of grief, because as you well know, the loss of a loved one by suicide is A, complicated grief, and B, trauma. So it's a double whammy. You have grief and trauma, and the trauma is the way in which you lost your loved one, what you might have experienced around that and or seen, or where your mind has taken you. Did you know that survivors of a suicidal loss are considered more at risk for suicide well, once they have become a survivor? Yes, and I can I can speak from my own experience. Uh, the one thing I think what, what, you know, I can only speak from my experience. I know everyone, you know, really deals with it differently. But for me, when that happened, it was like a light came on, a huge light and that I could not turn off. And I examined every single moment of my life with my brother, everything I ever said or didn't say, everything I didn't do or did do. And I had to explore that so deeply for myself. And, you know, I had people say to me, well, I don't understand why you're doing that. You know, it's it's not about you. It's a choice that he made. And I understand that. But, you know, my feeling is this that there's always something that maybe if we could have done this or, or we could have done that, that, you know, just having a compassionate heart or a more compassionate heart, which is what this experience uh, brought to me, it, we open up to people, whether they're family members or strangers. You know, now if I see someone or know someone that's going through a really tough time, I make it my business to pick up the phone and check in on them and say, how are you doing today? How are you feeling today? To just try and be a listening for them as they go through whatever crisis they're going through. I'm not saying I can save anybody, but I just feel that all of us, whether we, you know, a stranger sitting on a bus or whatever, to approach people with a more compassionate heart is sending out an energy into the world that, that can, who knows what, where, what and, and how it can help somebody that's in that state of mind. And, and that's kind of what the, the experience brought to me about that. Well, I, <laughs> that's wonderful. And, in my book, I think I talk about the lesson I believe of suicide is one of compassion. That put aside judgment and criticality and what people should or shouldn't do or how they should do it, and understand that you know I think we're all connected, and what happens to one of us happens to all of us, and that having that compassion and understanding, deep sorrow moves us to that place. You know we where we open our hearts and say, oh, my gosh, you know, suicide speaks to a tremendous amount of pain circling the planet. And what you did, Kathy, in terms of looking at everything, is I think is an excellent way, you know, because your mind becomes like a Google search engine, and you pull up every connection and you look at it, and, and you try to make sense of it. I yeah. write a book, I lost a, a colleague of mine, 
to suicide. And and I was just trying to make sense of it. How, how do I make sense of this? She wasn't a blood relation. I saw her at a conference maybe once a year, every two years. But I thought, wow, what? and I had to make sense of it. And so you do. You go back. And I think it's part of the process. You look at it. Yes. And I also think the grief process is a way that we remember love. I think it's another way of loving our lost loved one. It's not something to be skimmed over. It's it's an important part of living is to look at the way a loved one has died and how we feel about it. Absolutely. And, you know, the thing is, I, I did take responsibility because... As I examined my relationship, I looked at the times where I didn't have a compassionate heart, where I may have judged him too harshly, where, you know, and it just really got me to turn myself inside out and and examine every aspect of who I was being in the world and who I was being to other people. And it was um, it, it was a powerful journey. But I think what is so shocking about it is, you can't change anything. There's nothing. There's a permanency to it that kind of devastates you because you cannot change it. You cannot go back. There's nothing you can do no matter how you grow through the process. There's nothing you can do to change the outcome. And it's that pain. It's living with that pain, living with the hole it makes in your life. But the most important thing to me is the the way out of that, or you'll never get out of it completely. Or I, you know, I, I haven't thus far. I don't believe it will ever go away. But by being of service to others is is a wonderful way to kind of work through the process as well, because it makes a a big difference. You think you're helping other people, but you're really helping yourself in the process. I totally agree. And as you know, in my book, there's stories from family members and loved ones who have survived the suicidal loss as well as those who have been on the brink. And it is through, for many people, being of service, spreading the word, educating, opening doors to compassion, shedding light on hard topics. If, I think the research is every suicide leaves um, on average six people in its wake. And yeah. if we have a suicide in the United States every 13 minutes, and each of those suicides, depending on what you read, multiply that by 5, 10, or 20, that's the number of suicide attempts happening every day, then that's a tremendous amount of pain, right, where people are running around and they're they're falling through the cracks or they're getting lost or they or they need more help, and we as a society, you know, how we teach our kids growing up, right, how to developing their EQ, their emotional quotients, so that they can learn to express anger or sadness or feelings. So many people now don't know how to get in touch with their feelings. Um, mm-hmm. They're just so busy doing and running around that, they, you know, I don't have time to feel that. I, I will share with you that I had the honor to help out um, after 9-11. And I was in a major financial institution leading what was called critical incident stress debriefing. And mm-hmm. one of the big contracts, I've got a huge mahogany conference table, and there must have been, I don't know, 40 people around the table in that particular group at that moment. And um, one of the big honchos is in the hall, and he's poking his head through, and I overhear him say to someone, my people better not be in there. And I was flabbergasted that mm. he, to 
care that it was not okay for anybody to be in a group to talk about what they went through at that moment, right? And the same thing happens to people who are dealing with something that's messy or uncomfortable, and suicide is right up there that, you know, I don't, I don't want to talk about it. Uh, I don't want to hear about it. Well, let's go over because I, I want to make sure. Why don't you run through the seven steps in your book that you offer people so they can, you know, they can just, I know you can't cover it in great detail, but just list them with a sentence about each one so that they can start to understand and, you know, what your book can really bring them besides all the great stories and all the different examples. So there's something for everyone to connect to. You really give some concrete examples about how people can start to work through the process. Great. Thank you, Kathy. The the seven steps, are, I'll give them all, all at once, and then I'll go back a little bit. Tell your stories. We talked about all the jigsaw puzzle pieces, right? You put it out, and what all this means to you. Then the second part is own your part, meaning look to see where you need to forgive yourself or your loved one for any real or perceived hurt. Because we can't hold on to that emotional baggage. It just keeps us stuck. And so we need to look at that. What's the reality of that? Sometimes we're too hard on ourselves. Often in suicidal cases, loved ones are way too hard on themselves. And the third one is debrief your dark moments. And ironically, this step came out of my work with critical incident stress debriefing, where you look at the, what was the worst, the beginning, the middle, the end, what was the worst. But I also suggest you look at what was the best, because there are things we struggled through that were horrible, that we wonder how we got through, and then we remember the things we did that at the moment, they were pretty good. And we need to, to have that balance. And the fourth step is call back your spirit. And I tell a healing story around that of, it's like calling back all of our shattered pieces. If I threw a ball through a plate glass window, there'd be a lot of shards of glass. And so we want to pick up those shards and, and put them back in a newly pieced together, uh, wide open, compassionate heart. And the fifth part, when you end anything, I always say to everybody, what are the lessons? You know, it's like the big picture. What are the lessons? You know, for me, I could say a lesson might be, um, I learned unconditional love. I didn't expect to go in learning unconditional love, but I learned unconditional love. Um, so you want to look at that. And the sixth one is I believe that we can connect with our loved ones through the love in our heart, um, through meditation. Um, there is a way to connect with our loved ones. And if you're open to the other side, there's certainly ways there too. And um, if you imagine a pool of light and you have two chairs there or whatever you would like and you see your higher self go to one and you call in their higher self, you know, you can you can have a conversation or see yourselves in a garden and maybe just feel them close. I had one man who said to me, gosh, Adele, every time I get in my car to drive to work, I feel like my brother's in the passenger seat. I said, I would suggest that he is. And And the last one is, unusual vis-a-vis suicide. I'm asking for a commitment to peace. You know, if you have a baby, somebody's going to knit booties or give you a blanket. If you get married, there are presents. You get engaged, here's a picture print. You graduate from school, here's a pen or a gift certificate or whatever. We celebrate our birthdays. But I think committing yourself to peace on this topic where you could have a a thread around your wrist, um, a little 
symbol on your desk, something along that line, and your willingness to say, because it's a process, it's not linear, and it goes up and down, and you could hit an anniversary date, or you could hear a song on the radio, or you could smell something, and it sends you right back, and, okay, um, but I'm going to commit to myself that I am going to make peace with this, which means it's not, I'm not going to stay stuck, I'm going to stay open-hearted in love, I'm not going to be judging. I'm going to be in an emotionally neutral place. So those would be the seven steps. Those are those are really great practical things to do, and I and I can speak from experience that it's, you know, I have uh, amazingly so somehow I found my way to some of those steps and 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 did them on my own. I don't know how that was possible because I would have loved to have had your book ten years ago, but um, I guess. I also want to speak to those out there that are having uh, suicidal thoughts, those that are, you know, struggling with a mental illness or depression, bipolar. Um, You're not alone. And these people feel very isolated and, and think that they're the only ones going through what they're going through. But as suicide does become this this global crisis that that it is now with these numbers escalating and, and the wonderful people in the military that stake their life to go out and defend this country and are really, really suffering uh, with all kinds of, uh, you know, horrors that they've experienced and lived at war and then to come back and integrate into society. The way our society is, is, is so stress-filled right now must be even, you know, a million times more difficult. So I want to speak to them and just uh, for a moment and just say, again, you're not alone. There are wonderful uh, people out there to help you, and I just want to talk about that. Uh, For anyone with suicidal thoughts, we urge you to call the National Suicide Hotline at 1-800-273-8255. The good people at Samaritans, there's 24-hour crisis hotline there, 212-673-3000. These organizations have people staffed 24-7 to help you. Reach out, pick up the phone, and dial because life is a moment-by-moment choice. If you go to suicide.org, because I have a lot of people listening from around the world, there is a list of international hotlines available to you. And all of this is important information. I, I want to mention um, your book again and uh, tell the good, good folks where they can um, you know, get it. And uh, so first of all, let me just say all of this information is up at BehindTheCurtain.com, GoBehindTheCurtain.com, and you can go right to uh, Dr. McDowell's uh, website at A-D-E-L-E-R-Y-A-N-M. D-O-W-E-L-L dot com. That's Adele Ryan McDowell dot com. You can purchase the book there. You can get it on Amazon. And it is a brilliant book. And I really suggest that if you have somebody who uh, is suffering from depression or you a friend who has lost someone to suicide, this is a really a, a great gift. If you want to do something for these people and reach out, this is a wonderful way to do it. You don't have to say anything. You just have to present the book, and they'll find their way to all of the healing uh, powers within it. Dr. McDowell, this was far too short, and I would love for you to come back on the show and take calls and just be regular here on the program because this is, as I mentioned to you early. Uh, earlier, um, the subject of suicide prevention and helping those who have lost ones to suicide is, you know, uh, that's my mission. So thank you for helping me, uh, you know, to make this show today. 
Thank you so much, Kathy, and it would be my distinct honor and pleasure to join you again and your listeners in this very important topic, and I thank you so much for the heart you bring to the subject. Thank you so much, and my thanks again to Dr. Adele McDowell and for the work that she does. Um, Please go and get that book, um, which is, again, Make Peace with Suicide, and it's available at Amazon.com or at her website, To my listeners, it is such an honor to share this time with you, um, and I I hope you'll stay tuned to Behind the Curtain. I'm going to close the show by playing a song written and performed by 18-year-old Katie McLaughlin. The song is an anthem for anyone in pain. Let her powerful words comfort you to know you are not alone, and let her beautiful voice inspire you to choose life. And this is Kathy Barrett, and thanks for tuning in to Behind the Curtain.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.